Hi, Diamonds. Welcome to the United State of Women, a forum where professional women come together to thrive by living more connected to our power, our purpose, and our plan. We invite you to tune in every other week where we show you that you can have it all and teach you how to get it by becoming the star of your own life and not just a supporting role in your life, career, and relationships. Here with Julie Dean, my USW podcast ambassador and co-host, I am Kalina James, owner of LCR, a business consulting and leadership development coaching company. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hey, Diamonds. I've invited Angie Barrett to the show today. She is the owner and creator of Angie Barrett Movement, which is a coaching business that helps people release stored trauma in their bodies while increasing energy, strength, and flexibility Welcome to the show, Angie. Julie, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you on, especially because, you know, I love talking about movement and flexibility in general, but how you've found a way to incorporate it into playtime is very fascinating for me, especially now when we're in such a sedentary world. But enough about that. Please tell us more about you and who you are and ultimately, you know, how you started this coaching business. Yeah, absolutely. So like Julie said, I'm Angie Barrett and my story started many, many years ago. I am a child abuse survivor and my abuse started when I was very young and it was by friends of the family and it went on for many years. And I developed what I called this black hole of pain inside of me and I never could quite get rid of it. And my abuse was so significant. I actually had no memory of it until about eight years ago. So I went through my life. I grew up. I went to college. I actually became a registered nurse. I worked in emergency departments. I worked in ICUs. I've always done high stress environments. And I loved it until I got to a point where it actually became more traumatizing for me. I then decided to take a break and I have practiced yoga for many years. I've done mind body practices. Yoga has been my groove. And when I was taking a break from nursing, the yoga studio that I practiced at was offering a yoga teacher training. And I thought I need something to do. So I decided to become a yoga instructor and I took a yoga instructor training and I loved it. I loved being able to work with people. And it felt like it was more of a proactive approach to helping people connect to their bodies rather than in the emergency department, the ICU and working as a nurse, it was reactive. It was when people came to us after there was a problem. So I really liked being able to help people connect to their bodies, find this more proactive approach to health. And then when COVID hit, another yoga teacher friend of mine told me that she was going to take a training virtually, which made it possible for us to take it, to become a trauma-informed yoga instructor. She knew that I had child abuse By this time, I'd actually had memories of my child abuse come out. (laughs) Let me back up. So about eight years ago, I was dating a person and they cheated on me and let me know on Facebook that they were now in a new relationship. And so that betrayal by someone who was supposed to love me and care about me unlocked the memories of my child abuse. And so I started dealing with dueling traumas at the same time. And I went into a really, really dark place. So I was on a healing journey. And then when COVID hit, my friend who knew that I had some PTSD and some trauma invited me to go to take this yoga, this trauma-informed yoga instructor training with her, which I did. And I loved it. It became a way for me to actually connect to my body. 
as I was on my healing journey, yoga even became too much sensory information, too much somatic overload, if you will. I couldn't handle the information coming from my body because it was creating such acute distress for me as I was healing from this horrible child abuse. So I had to actually stop practicing yoga. I could teach it. I just couldn't be a student with it. So I thought the trauma-informed yoga sounded amazing, thought it might be a great way for me to learn how to connect my body again. And I took the training and it just changed my world. There's some, some differences in teaching trauma-informed yoga versus traditional yoga. And one of the things that we learned in my trauma-informed yoga training is how powerful play and movement are in helping us tap into parts of our nervous system that help us feel safe and connected and engaged in the world. And so play kind of became this area where I started to experiment. And around the same time, my therapist started doing a protocol with me that is designed for people who have experienced trauma from childhood who have no semblance of what safety is. Most children, at least, or most people who've been abused, let me rephrase that, many people who have been abused at least can go back to an earlier stage in their life where they felt safety. And because my abuse started when I was so young and was by people who were supposed to be um, friends, I have no semblance of safety. So this protocol was designed for people who've experienced that. And one of the things that I learned as I was doing this protocol with my therapist is that all mammals and humans are mammals, by the way, we're born with our brains pre-wired with seven circuits. So we come out as infants knowing seven things already. And play is one of those things that we come out already knowing. So if you think of how children navigate their world, that, you know, babies, they move, they play in this wonderment and children play, puppies play. And so I was learning the power of play in these two different arenas. And so I started experimenting with playful movements in my body to see if that could help tap into that black hole of pain that I have carried for years. And it worked. It helped me to release some of that emotional itchiness or angst around just life in general. And as I started doing more and more play, then I started to feel better and my healing started just improving dramatically. So I told a couple of friends about it and they wanted to try it. They haven't experienced trauma to the degree that I have. They've experienced normal life traumas. I think all of us experience trauma in life and it worked for them. It helped them to connect to their bodies. It helped them to find a greater sense of peace. And so that evolved into the coaching business that I have now, which is helping people use play and movement to connect their bodies, releasing limiting negative self-beliefs, stress, anxiety, tension, depression, and trauma. That is quite the journey. And it's a very beautiful story because, you know, just thinking about all these layers, I, the first thing that comes up for me is, you know, was there like this defining moment when you were in your nursing career where you're like, that's it. I just can't do this anymore. Or was it a series of events that led you up to be like, I was done last week. I was done a month ago. Like I was done a year ago, but like for sure, not going back. You can't make me. There was, so the defining moment that I left nursing was actually when my memories of abuse came out and when my partner cheated on me, it was just too much for me to handle all of that at the same time. And there have been times throughout my nursing career where I have had to leave emergency department care and go try something else. I've been an educator. I've tried all sorts of different things because I needed to get out of that. And then I would always inevitably go back because 
that has always been where my home has been. So it's, it's both the defining moment leaving was when my memories of child abuse came out when my partner cheated on me. I've since gone back, but I'm working in a very low stress environment a couple of days a week because I do like being a nurse, but just that high acuity level was, was too much for me. How long were you dating that person before that all kind of just came to a head? About two and a half years. So it'd been a little bit. Yeah. And so you're just scrolling on Facebook one day and here's the blindside moment where you're like, oh, I guess we're not together anymore. Yeah. In fact, I texted them and said, hey, I thought we were together. And their response was, oh, I've been meaning to talk to you. <laughs> I've been meaning to talk to you, but we could still be friends. Yeah. No, we couldn't. And so that opened up the this child abuse and it that my partner is going to forever be linked with the memories of my child abuse coming out. So no, there was no opportunity yeah. for friendship. Mm-mm. How did you begin to really unpack that? Like, was there, obviously you said it was a, you know, a pretty difficult season, but you know, what was like the initial reaction to, to all of that coming together? The initial reaction was actually despair, full despair. I ended up actually checking myself into an inpatient psychiatric hospital that specialized in PTSD and trauma because I was no longer safe with myself. I was, I was going to hurt myself and I was going to do something if I didn't get more intensive, intensive care. So it was a really dark place and a really dark time. So I, I sought help where that was more than I could do by myself. Well, good for you for, you know, recognizing that you needed something, you know, more than just sitting around and letting that just eat you up. Yeah. As you were in that inpatient treatment, were is that when you really discovered how much it was tied to like your child abuse? I, no, it was actually before I I went in that I realized how much it was tied to my child abuse. And that the had it just been my partner cheating on me, then I probably would not have gone in. I was working with a therapist already and before I went in patient and she and I started talking. And as we started going through it, we just realized there were so many more layers. And it seemed like every time I talked to my therapist, some new memory was coming out and I just stopped being able to function. So I knew that they were already linked before I went into the inpatient unit. And when I went in patient, we focused mostly on my child abuse because that was what was the biggest overwhelming problem that was coming up for me. What had happened with my partner kind of took second uh, backseat because the child abuse was just so raw and prevalent and just pervasive in everything in my life. And how long were you in the, in the treatment facility? I spent a month in the treatment facility. And then when I got out, I did pretty intensive outpatient therapy. That's, that's so incredible to hear. You know, I'm, I'm seeing you now, you know, as like this walking testimony, like I can't even imagine how you even thought you would go forward in life in that moment. And then a month later, what, what were you like coming out of that facility? I was still pretty wounded, broken. I was, I felt a little bit stronger. I had more resources. I had a better understanding of what was happening to me. And I still felt just this pit of despair. It was so hard to breathe, to function. And 
yet I felt like I was no longer a danger to myself. So I was able to, to start to function on my own. One of the interesting things I did was I actually rescued or adopted a dog because I needed something to care about, something to love. And my dog actually became kind of my saving grace. And so that was really how I started to shift is that I now had something to care for, something that cared for me unconditionally. And that started to teach me my dog had me, I felt safe with my dog around so that adopting her was really one of the things that started to also shift me on this path to where I can talk about it. I can open up and share, help decrease the stigma of mental health and now help others heal their own trauma. That's so incredible. That's wonderful. I keep saying it's incredible. It is so incredible and very inspiring. And, you know, were you you know, you're in your outpatient treatments and did you just pick right back up into yoga? I know you mentioned that yoga was just a bit much to take on. Like how quickly did you start doing yoga again? It took me a number of years, actually. It wasn't until I started doing trauma-informed yoga that I was actually able to, to do yoga again. Because even just going to a regular or traditional yoga class is what I typically call it. The sensory overwhelm was too much. And so trauma-informed yoga is taught differently, and it creates more space for you to experience whatever experience is coming up without the structure and and some of the uh, the structure of traditional yoga classes. One of the things that was really interesting for me that I learned was really triggering is trauma-informed yoga, at least the way that I was taught it, teaches move with the breath or at whatever rhythm you want. Because for some people, breath work actually is very triggering. And for me, I realized breath work is incredibly triggering. It takes me back to things that happened in my childhood when I have to listen to my own breath or the breath of other people. So even just being given permission to move at whatever rhythm I want without the structure of traditional yoga, which is move this way on an inhale, move that way on an exhale, started to create more freedom and space for me to be in my body without having the structure of even having to listen to breath work, which was really opening and freeing for me. And so that started to create space for me to be able to feel into those sensory that sensory input coming from my body without getting into overwhelm and shut down. I didn't realize how much breath work was a trigger for me. And so it, it was things like that, that really started to open it up when I went through the trauma informed yoga training. Yeah. Was it the trauma informed yoga training that also helped you start to identify some of those deeper triggers that you didn't realize were triggers? And you said breath work, like what were there other things that came up too? There were the idea of having to be in the perfect pose. There was a lot of self-judgment when I would do yoga, if I couldn't get as far into a pose as someone else, or if I wasn't as flexible as so-and-so, or if I was having an off day and just took a child's pose, there was a lot of self-judgment with that and trauma-informed yoga my instructors that taught us how to teach it, they would say, you want to curl up in fetal position, curl up in fetal position the entire time. You want to roll around on the floor, roll around on the floor and do these poses. And so we got to experiment doing movement in different ways that wasn't so structured and that created a space for 
me to do whatever I wanted at that moment versus other people who were maybe going into a fuller expression of a pose or not a full expression of a pose. It opened up space so there wasn't quite so much structure associated with yoga to be able to feel and find that empowerment. So I realized there was a lot of self-judgment coming from myself when I was in a traditional yoga class that I needed to keep up with so-and-so, even if my body wasn't up for it. Hey, this is your girl, Kalina James, and I want to chat with you for just one moment. Are you a coach, consultant, content creator, trainer, counselor, mentor? Well, maybe you wear all of the service hats at the same time. Maybe you're all of them. And I want to let you know about an awesome new tool for your growing business. It's called LifeQuest. Live your forever quest with brandable features that make it possible to run multiple businesses and sell paid resources under one umbrella. LifeQuest is the newest mobile CRM platform for your growing business. Now, LifeQuest is helping dynamic professionals just like you save time and money while managing your business. The support team would love to show you what LifeQuest can do for you. Click the link in the show notes to get started. And at LifeQuest, we're not just one more thing. We're the thing. Now back to your show. I love that you're sharing this because, you know, I've done yoga many times throughout my life and thought I'd give it another go, try it out. I took it a semester for college one year. And for me, it was always the pace. Like as soon as I was feeling comfortable in a pose, we were moving on to the next pose. And then some of the poses I was like, I'm ready to get out of this pose, but we're still hanging on to this pose. And I can totally relate to the structure side of it because I thought, you know, for being such a free flowing class, I feel very confined and feel very boxed in. And I have found that as a problem for me in many group classes. It's like, if I want to leave now, I should feel like I should be able to leave, even if it's only been 10 minutes into the class. But suddenly I feel like I'm going to be stuck here the whole 90 minutes because I signed up for this. And if I walk out, then what are people going to think? And we go through that negative self-judgment. Yeah. So here's my thing. We all have, I'm going to use the term trauma, but I see it as we all have negative beliefs about ourselves. So the, I'm not good enough. I have to be perfect. These are some of the ones that I commonly hear from my clients. I don't get to have what I want, things like that. And so those are the negative beliefs that we start to ruminate on, whether we're conscious of it or not, when we're in such a structured environment. It's, I have to conform. I have to fit the mold. And that became more traumatizing for me. And, and, and I've noticed that in many of my clients, when I work with them is having that freedom to choose and say, nah, you know, peace out. I'm going to hold in child's pose, or I'm just going to lay in Shavasana this class, or I'm going to walk out and leave is so not something that we are trained to do, especially as women We're taught, you know, we have to go with the flow. And, and so I think that is common negative beliefs that we all carry. (laughs) That's fun. And thanks for, you know, clarifying that too. Cause I, you know, it's, it's these little things though, that, you know, everyone goes through life and we recognize them and we're just like, well, what do I do with that? So, you know, when you talk about play and movement, I can now see, especially where this starts to go in terms of like, okay, like how do we live a less restricted life? And so what did that process begin to look like when you're, you know, diving into more play? Yeah. So it actually created this freedom so that I didn't have to go with the mental stories associated with those negative beliefs. So the best way to explain it is one of my beliefs that I had growing up from being a child abuse survivor is I had to be small. I didn't get to be big. I had to stay small for safety reasons. 
And so I love elephants. I started pretending to be an elephant and I would stomp around the room and I got to experience what it felt like to be an elephant, be big, not care what other people thought. Things got in my way. I'd use my trunk to, you know, I'd put my hands together and pretend like it was a trunk and brush it out of the way. And so I got to experience this sensation of being big, of being this magnificent being without the mental stories associated with, oh, being big isn't safe. Because I was an elephant. I got to play. I got to stomp around. And as I did that, that changed how I felt inside my body. But it also released some of that stored trauma. Every time we think those negative thoughts about ourselves, like your example of you know being boxed in in a class and you're done and you want to move, but you can't, that starts to create a buildup of energy inside of us actual, our body's getting us ready, trying to protect us. And so for me, stomping like an elephant actually got rid of some of that energy and then created space for me to say, oh, no, wait, I actually can be big and feel a little bit safer. And so then when I would feel like I was trapped in my life, I would imagine that I was a mermaid swimming in the water. And so finding the freedom to be swimming in the water this element of play takes us out of the mental story that we associate with that negative belief and allows us to feel sensory information in a way that feels more safe and empowering. Um, And then letting that mental story go shifts how we engage with our body and makes that mental story not so strong so that we get to actually shift that that negative belief that we carry about ourselves into something more positive. So for me, it started pretending like I was animals or, you know, using my imagination and creativity to find this ability to step away from the mental story associated with it. That's so cool. I think, you know, just especially me being a mom, like, you know, you don't mind looking dumb in front of your kids and doing dumb stuff with your kids. And beyond that, you know, I, a lot of people don't like swimming. So your mermaid, you know, reference was very, very one that I connected with because like, I love to swim and it's definitely like, even just in a pool, I'm always pretending like I'm a little fish in the ocean. <laughs> Freedom! <laughs> so. And and you're right. Not everybody loves the water. And that can be actually a trauma for some people. So I'll say if you're not a water person, imagine you're a bird flying. So you still get that sense of having something support you like the air, but you don't have to be in the trauma of the water. So it's adjusting depending on what a person's past stories are and finding something that works for them. That's very cool. I love that. I love this. This is all so great. Do you have like a a recommendation in terms of like how many minutes a day we should really just be like honoring that time to play and have fun. It, <laughs> this isn't my favorite nurse answer. It depends. <laughs> it depends on one of the big things that I do is I teach people how to learn the cues of their nervous system. So if your nervous system is really amped up, you're feeling a lot of anxiety, then I'm going to recommend you spend maybe a little bit more time during the day. If you have a day where things are pretty calm, pretty cool, you know, you're not feeling that angsty emotion, then maybe you don't need quite as much time. So what I do in my personal life now is I don't do it based on the number of minutes. I do it based on what am I feeling at that moment? Do I need to go shake it out or do I need something more soothing or am I good? Do I just keep going? And so it's starting to learn 
our bodies give us so much information. It's when we can learn to tap into what our bodies are telling us that that becomes the healing modality. I don't like to give a set number because that creates a structure. Whereas when we can tap into what our bodies are telling us, that's going to create this openness and this freedom to start to learn and to have that empowerment to make those choices. I love that. Where would be a good place for somebody to start to begin to really uncover some of that and, you know, even begin processing like what, what they are feeling. Yeah. I love this. So I'm going to, I actually have a movement and I'm going to invite y'all to do it with me. So feel free to do this with me. You can do this seated. You can do it standing. This is one that I recommend people start with. And I'm going to invite you to start with a side to side sway. So just start side to side. And as you do start to notice what's happening in your body. Notice what's happening with your shoulders. Maybe notice what's happening with your gut. We carry a lot of tension in our gut. A lot of times it'll tighten up. When we're stressed, it'll untighten when we relax. Maybe check in with your toes and your fingers. Check in with your jaw. Now I'm gonna invite you to go front to back. Start to sway front to back. I don't know if you noticed, Julie, your shoulders just tightened and you started moving more with your neck. So we all have one direction that feels more soothing to our nervous systems and one that feels more uncomfortable. And so learning and going back and forth between the two, they both are valuable. So for me, side to side is more soothing. I'm guessing for you it is too, because I noticed your shoulders just drop. But going the front to back starts to teach you what it feels like when your body's going into stress. My shoulders start to tighten, my gut and my belly start to tighten, my toes grip into the ground, my jaw clenches. And so even this simple movement starts to give you information about what your body does when you're in a state of tension or anxiety, something's bothering you. Versus when you go this, the direction that feels more soothing, which for me is side to side, my shoulders relax and I just feel kind of this wave, this ripple go through my body of just this relaxation. And so even going back and forth between these two gives you that information that starts to give you that that knowledge of when you're feeling this tension. So for me, it's front to back, like when my shoulders are up by my ears, when my toes are gripping into the ground, maybe I have a grimace on my face, I might need to do some sort of dance party to shake out some of that anxiety or just move to the direction that feels more soothing. I do the side to side sway. I hate grocery shopping. It gives me terrible anxiety. So I'll do the side to side sway when I'm standing in line at the grocery store or when things are coming up. And so it's even that simple movement of front to back versus side to side is going to give you information about what your body's trying to tell you and then can give you ways to sort of start to release it or become more aware of what's happening. What a cool tool that we can use anywhere and apply anywhere. I love that you said you share it at like the grocery store. I don't like grocery shopping either. So I can catch myself now in the checkout line, just swaying along. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Love that. This has been such a great conversation. I'm so glad you shared so many great tips and thank you for sharing your story. You know, it's a definitely a testament and, you know, really beautiful to see you on this other side of, of all of your trauma, I guess that you, I don't know if you're on the other side of all of it, but you know, I think just your journey in general is so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for providing the space where I can share it. Absolutely. If our listeners want to get a hold of you and learn more about your services, what would be the best place for 
them to go and do that? Yeah. So the best place is my website, which is angiebarrettmovement.com. And I spell my last name B-E-R-R-E-T-T. I spell it a little differently. So it's angiebarrettmovement.com. It has access to all of my social medias where I do put out movements like this that you can try. It has my phone number, my email address, and I do have a free guide that delves more into how play and movement can help heal trauma along with some movement suggestions that the sway happens to be one of. So you can go to my website and get all of that from my website. That is so great. I, I will make sure I have all those links in the description for our listeners. Thank you, Angie, for taking time to be on our show today. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Until next time, Diamonds, shine bright. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, share it. Share it with people you care about, people you think this will benefit. Share with your team or colleague who is having a difficult time and is looking for solutions. We all want to help people live empowered, to know what to do when faced with uncertainty. And I believe that these ideas can help others have that success. So please share it. But also follow us on our hashtag community power purpose plan and tell us what you think and how this episode has helped you. Diamonds, You have a choice to live connected to progress and growth. You deserve it. And it is yours to have. Live life, my friend, and be encouraged to step into your power purpose plan today. Until next time, take care.